This is Amy Bauman, and you are listening to Speaking Truth with Love. For more information about myself or for His Glory Ministry, you can head to amybauman.com. Now here is today's show. Good morning. Welcome to our online service. I'm Reverend Amy Bauman with For His Glory Ministry, and I am so glad that you're choosing to join us today. And I am very grateful to be here. If you didn't watch last week's sermon and Truth in the Streets, it was uh, something that had aired back in 2022. I think that is the first time in over three years that I did not preach live on that Sunday. For those of you that weren't aware, um, about a week ago on Friday, my husband had a major heart attack and that totally changed everything in our lives and in our schedule. And one of the things that I have been saying over and over is, thank you, Lord, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. My husband today, a week later, is stable. He got a good report from the doctor. He's going back to work tomorrow. And for my schedule, I was able to uh, preach and teach at a woman's retreat on Saturday, yesterday. This morning, I got up real early and was able to preach and teach online in Andola, Zambia. And then this afternoon, I will be uh, preaching at American House in Holland. So the Lord has been faithful. The attack from the enemy and his attempts to take us down uh, were thwarted. And I can stand here today and say that I am so grateful to be with all of you and grateful that God is the one who is in control and still on the throne. So I'm uh, excited for what the Lord has given me to share with you today. We're going to be looking at the Old Testament. We're going to be looking at a particular character that maybe you haven't heard a whole lot about or know a whole lot about, but it's something that I learned about when I was in Sunday school. But there was a bigger emphasis on the donkey than ever was on Balaam. So I'm excited to share with you this Old Testament story today and what we can learn about Balaam and apply to our own lives today. But before we get started, let's open with prayer. Father God, I thank you. I thank you that you are a faithful God, that your plans are for us to have abundant life, to have provision, to have healing, to have joy and to know who you are. And so I thank you that the enemy is under our feet and I decree and declare Lord today that he cannot manifest in our lives. And I just pray Holy Spirit that you will fall in this place, that you will do a work in our hearts, that you will open up our hearts and our ears for what it is that you have for each one of us. And I pray for a fresh anointing that I will speak your truth with love. We love you and praise you and thank you for everything that you are going to do. And in Jesus' name, we ask these things. Amen. I truly believe that the reason that the Lord gave me, excuse me, these sermons for these next couple of weeks, these amazing but true stories, is that oftentimes we have a hard time diving into the Old Testament. It seems a little bit overwhelming to go back that far and to, and to read and to follow along and to understand everything. It's easier 
oftentimes to read about Jesus and the disciples and then think about, you know, some of the things that happened in the Old Testament. And I guess I want to remind you today that there are some amazing stories in the Old Testament. Don't believe the lie from the enemy that the Old Testament is too hard to read. Uh, there are some incredible stories that have a lot of nuggets of wisdom. And really, when you read the Old Testament and the New Testament, you can see the plan of God and how he's restoring all things. And so many things that happen in the New Testament is God redeeming through Jesus Christ what happened in the Old Testament and with his people. And so you're seeing a lot of um, things that are very similar with dates, uh, with Jesus redeeming the things that the Israelites had done. So there's a lot that you can see as you start studying the Bible in its entirety. So I want to encourage you to, to keep it up, to keep uh, trying to navigate through the Old Testament, to ask the Lord to give you revelation. And um, I pray that today's stories like this will help you have a better understanding. Now, growing up in Sunday school, we heard about Balaam. And I, I got a lot more out of the story. I could not believe that the donkey talked. I, I remember sitting in Sunday school and, and it seemed like the whole emphasis was on the talking donkey. And that was amazing for me to be thinking about that as a child. But there is so much more to the story than just the talking donkey. The life of Balaam and what we read about him, not only in the Old Testament, but the New Testament shows us that there's a lot that we can learn from this man. And that while we, when you first start reading the story, you might think, ah, oh, he's not such a bad guy. But actually, his heart does not follow, truly follow God. And he makes compromises. And we can read this story and it can be a prompt for us to check our own hearts, to make sure that our hearts are for God, the one true God, and, and why we truly want to follow him. Now to set the stage, the Israelites have been moving through the land and everywhere that they have been going and camping and settling, they have been conquering. And they have been taking possession of the land. Numbers 21, starting in verse 31, reads this. So Israel settled in the land of the Amorites. After Moses had sent spies to Jazer, the Israelites captured its surrounding settlements and drove out the Amorites who were there. Then they turned and went up along the road toward Bashan, and Og king of Bashan and his whole army marched out to meet them in the battle of Edrei. The Lord said to Moses, Do not be afraid of him, for I have delivered him into your hands, along with his whole army and his land. Do to him what you did to Sihon king of the Amorites, who reigned in Heshbon. So they struck him down together with his sons and his whole army, leaving them no survivors and they took possession of his land. So we're going we're gonna to pick up in uh, chapter 22, if you're following along in your Bibles. And uh, when Balak summons Balaam, we'll have a better understanding of, of who everybody is. 
Then the Israelites traveled to the plains of Moab and camped along the Jordan across from Jericho. Now Balak, son of Zippor, saw all that Israel had done to the Amorites, and Moab was terrified because there were so many people. Indeed, Moab was filled with dread because of the Israelites. So Moabite said to the elders of Midian, This horde is going to lick up everything around us as an ox lips up, licks up the grass of the field. So Balak, son of Zippor, who was king of Moab at this time, sent messengers to summon Balaam, son of Beor, who was at Pathor near the Euphrates River in his native land. Balak said, A people has come out of Egypt. They cover the face of the land and have settled next to me. Now come, put a curse on these people, because they are too powerful for me. Perhaps then I will be able to defeat them and drive them out of the land. For I know that whoever you bless is blessed, and whoever you curse is cursed. So let's unpack this for a second. Allied with the tribes of Midian in the area, Balak recognizes that Israel is too strong as a military for him to defeat. There's a lot of people coming out of Egypt. I think there was 2.4 million people. And since then, they've been, they have families, they have babies, they're growing. So instead, he seeks to wage a spiritual war against Israel by hiring Balaam to pronounce a curse against the sojourning nation. Now, it is important to read these carefuls, these chapters carefully in order to know the kind of man that Balaam is. Because when I first read this, I'm like, he's not such a bad guy. You know, why? Why is he getting all this bad press? But you'll notice that in 22 verse 7, the leaders of Moab and Midian go to Balaam with the fees of divination. That would be a monetary payment given to this diviner, this uh, spiritual figure, in order to receive the blessing or curse requested. It was specifically outlawed in the Mosaic law to do this. It was a detestable thing of the nations. So note that Balak is aware of Balaam's reputation. So it can be inferred that Balaam is a well-known as a diviner for hire. He's well-known in the area. People know about him. It was the first man that came to his mind. Hey, let's get a hold of Balaam. So at the very least, we know that he is compromised by pagan, pagan practices, right? He's not just, he's not calling on Yahweh. He's calling on all these other gods with the lower G, right? To help him do these supernatural things. So this would seem to indicate that while Balaam is aware of Yahweh, God, it is likely that Yahweh is but one of the several gods that Balaam serves. So a diviner, according to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, divination is the art of practice that seeks to foresee or foretell a future events or discover hidden knowledge, usually by the interpretation of omens or by the aid of supernatural powers or these gods, lowercase g. 
Baker's Evangelical Dictionary of Biblical Theology states that divination is the communication with the deity for the purpose of determining the deity's knowledge, resulting in a clarification of a decision or discernment of the future. Going to God and asking for divination and God speaking to you and giving you that revelation. So if you don't know this going into this, what a diviner is, who Balaam is, um, you know, that maybe Balaam was not just working for Yahweh, but for other gods, Balaam might not seem like a bad guy. So let's continue. Let's keep reading. 7 through 13 now. The elders of Moab and Midian left, taking with them the fee of divination. When they came to Balaam, they told him what Balak had said. Spend the night here, Balaam said to them, and I will report back to you with the answer the Lord gives me. So the Moabite officials stayed with him. God came to Balaam and asked, Who are these men with you? Balaam said to God, Balak, son of Zippor, king of Moab, sent me this message. A people that has come out of Egypt covers the face of the land. Now come and put a curse on them for me. Perhaps then I will be able to fight them and drive them away. But God said to Balaam, do not go with them. You must not put a curse on those people because they are blessed. The next morning, Balaam got up and said to Balak's officials, Go back to your own country, for the Lord has refused to let me go with you. So the officials bring this fee and request Balaam to come with them to Balak. And Balaam requests that, hey, spend the night so I can consult with Yahweh and bring back word. Surprisingly, however, Yahweh actually speaks to this pagan diviner and he commands Balaam to not only avoid going with the officials but to avoid cursing Israel altogether because they are to be blessed. This, the Israelites are his chosen people. Of course he doesn't want a curse set over them. He wants them blessed. So Balaam arises in the morning and tells the officials that he cannot go with them because of the Lord's decrees. Seems like he's an obedient guy, right? Seems like he's a good guy. He called on Yahweh, he called on God, God spoke to him, and he told the officials, I can't go with you. Notice, however, that he doesn't tell the officials that he can't curse Israel. It's just that God won't let him go. I used to, I used to have to give my friends um, some kind of notice on whether or not I could go with them to the store or to the game or to a party or to a dance. And I'd always have to say, well, I've got to check with my parents and I've, I've got to ask them first. And I wouldn't want to tell my friends on my own that I didn't want to go or that I had too much homework, but I would go to my mom and dad and I'd say, listen, my friends are asking if I can go to the party. Would you please say no so that I can tell them that I can't go, right? I was using it as an excuse. So then I'd go back to my friends and say, my mom and dad said I couldn't go. So you know what? I can't. This is what Balaam is doing, right? He's saying, God said I couldn't go. 
So Balaam does not tell them he won't do anything. He certainly puts on a display of obedience to God by saying he couldn't do anything contrary to his God. But notice he asked the officials to stay the night again in order to see if Yahweh will let him go. In other words, maybe God will change his mind. So the Moabite officials returned to Balak and said, Balaam refused to come with us. Then Balak sent other officials more numerous and more distinguished than the first. They came to Balaam and said, this is what Balak, son of Zippor, says. Do not let anything keep you from coming to me because I will reward you handsomely and do whatever you say. Come and put a curse on these people for me. But Balaam answered them, even if Balak gave me all the silver and gold in his palace, I could not do anything great or small to go beyond the command of the Lord my God. Now spend the night here so that I can find out what else the Lord will tell me. That night, God came to Balaam and said, since these men have come to summon you, go with them. But do only what I tell you. Now, when I first read this, I was very confused because God went to, sorry, Balaam went to God again and asked. And this time I thought, well, God changed his mind. But that's really not what happened. Balaam has already decided in his heart what he's going to do. And so God says, fine. Go with them, but only say what I tell you. So I want to stop right here for a second and, and just ask how many of us have, God has said something to us, God has said no, and then we've gone back to God and go, well, come on, God, can't you please, you know, maybe let this happen, you know, to see if God's going to change his mind. My kids did that to me. My kids would come to me time and time again and beat me down until I would finally say yes. But that wasn't truly my original answer. My original answer was, no, you can't go do this. You can't go play in the street. You can't go here. You can't drive your bike here. Um, you know, there's guidelines and things that we put in place for our children. And, and our typical usual answer, first time around answer, when it's no, that's the one we want to go with. But here, Balaam comes back to God and God says, go. But that's not what he's really wanting for Balaam. Let's keep reading. Balaam got up in the morning. I'm, I'm in verse 21 now. Balaam got up in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the Moabite officials. But God was very angry when he went, and the angel of the Lord stood in the road to oppose him. Balaam was riding on his donkey, and his two servants were with him. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with a drawn sword in his hand, it turned off the road into a field. Balaam beat it to get it back on the road. Then the angel of the Lord stood in a narrow path through the vineyards with walls on both sides. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it pressed close to the wall, crushing Balaam's foot against it. So he beat the donkey again. 
Then the angel of the Lord moved on ahead and stood in a narrow place where there was no room to turn, either to the right or to the left. When the donkey saw the angel of the Lord, it lay down under Balaam, and he was angry and beat it with his staff. Then the Lord opened the donkey's mouth, and it said to Balaam, What have I done to you to make you beat me these three times? Balaam answered the donkey, You have made a fool of me. If only I had a sword in my hand, I would kill you right now. The donkey said to Balaam, Am I not your own donkey, which you have always ridden to this day? Have I been in the habit of doing this to you? No, he said. Then the Lord opened Balaam's eyes, and he saw the angel of the Lord standing in the road with his sword drawn. So he bowed low and fell face down. In this dream, the angel of the Lord stands in the way of Balaam as an adversary in order to strike Balaam, the diviner, down. While Balaam and his two servants do not see this, Balaam's donkey does. And three times the donkey veers off the path in order to save his master, Balaam. Finally, he strikes the mule with a stick. And the Lord, in this unusual occurrence, opens the mouth of the donkey to reprimand Balaam for for why he's treating him so unkindly. And the donkey points out, hey, I've never given you any trouble before. Do you think that maybe I'm doing this because there's a reason for it? And at this moment, the eyes of Balaam are opened and he sees the angel of the Lord preparing to strike him down. And he falls to the ground and plea for salvation. And God tells him that if it were not for the donkey, Balaam would have been killed. Yet he has abused and mistreated his faithful companion. Balaam recognizes his sin and volunteers to go back home. But the Lord grants him permission to go with the men so long as he only speaks what Yahweh, what God, has commanded him. Let's pick up in verse 32. The angel of the Lord asked him, Why have you beaten your donkey these three times? I have come here to oppose you because your path is a reckless one before me. The donkey saw me and turned away from me these three times. If it had not turned away, I would certainly have killed you by now, but I have spared it. Balaam said to the angel of the Lord, I have sinned. I did not realize you were standing in the road to oppose me. Now, if you are displeased, I will go back. The angel of the Lord said to Balaam, go with the men, but speak only what I tell you. So Balaam went with Balak's officials. When Balak heard that Balaam was coming, he went out to meet him at the Moabite town on the Arnon border at the edge of his territory. Balak said to Balaam, did I not send you an urgent summons? Why didn't you come to me? Am I really not able to reward you? Well, I have come to you now, Balaam replied, but I can't say whatever I please. I must speak only what God puts in my mouth. Now, if you keep reading, you'll see that Balaam doesn't curse the Israelites, but blesses them multiple times from different mountaintops. Balaam actually gives seven messages, which are different blessings. Balaam did not receive his money, but if you keep reading, Balaam discovers a way to be paid. 
Balaam advised the Moabites on how to entice the people of Israel with prostitutes and idolatry. He could not curse Israel directly, so he came up with a plan for Israel to bring a curse upon themselves. Balak followed Balaam's advice and Israel fell into sin, worshiping Baal of Peor and committing fornication with Midianite women. For this God plagued them and 24,000 men died as the result of Balaam's scheme to be paid. Balaam's name and the story became infamous and he is referred to several times in the New Testament. Peter compares false teachers to Balaam who loved the wages of wickedness, 2 Peter 2.15. Jude echoes this sentiment associating Balaam with the selling of one's soul for financial gain, Jude 1.11. And finally, Jesus speaks of Balaam when he warns the church in Pergamum of their sin. There are some among you who hold to the teaching of Balaam, who taught Balak to entice the Israelites to sin so they ate food sacrificed to idols and committed sexual immorality, Revelations 2.14. Satan's tactics haven't changed all that much. If he cannot curse God's people directly, he will do this backdoor approach. And idolatry and sexual immorality are his go-to temptations even today. What do you think about when you hear this story of Balaam and the talking donkey? Do you see some of the ways that man are working today and some of the ways that the enemy is still working today? Sex, immorality, fornication, um, sexual pleasure, all of those things are temptations today in the world. And that's the one thing that you will see in television and magazines and videos and all of that thing is the draw, that sexual temptation, that sexual immorality. So what can we learn from Balaam? Well, we can learn that Balaam was an unfaithful prophet. Balaam actually had received a gift, right? An opportunity to demonstrate the power of the true God against the deception of the false gods and idols. And yet he compromised. He compromised and let anybody come to him for his services as long as he had a fee. And he summoned multiple different gods, lowercase g. Why was he compromising? Why? Because he loved money more than he loved truth. And he loved money more than he loved the one true God. For all Balaam's talk about speaking only what God would put into his mouth, he was wishing to curse the children of Israel for the generous fee that Balak would pay him. It was all about the money. And instead of loving righteousness, Balaam loved the wages of unrighteousness. And when you think about it, think about how he was 
remembered. That story and what he did carried out hundreds and hundreds of years later and people remembered him for the vicious acts that he did, for his unrighteousness and that he loved money more than truth. Also, he presumed, he tried to manipulate God. Balaam uttered a blessing instead of a curse, but only because God gave him no option. What would be the point in Balaam pronouncing a curse if God was going to give a blessing? All of his actions were only for his best interest and what would benefit Balaam. God, however, refused to listen and he was angry with Balaam for not rejecting Balak's proposal outright the very first time that he came. Right? But that's not how he did it. Oh, God said that I can't go with you. And I can only do this because this is what God said. In his heart, he wanted the money. He wanted the funds. He wanted to go with them. He wanted to do whatever he needed to do to get the wages, right? And he tried to tried to manipulate God, but God cannot be manipulated. What's going on here is the prophet wanted to do what God did had told him not to do. And we all do that now and again. I've done that, right? God has said no, and I've done it anyway. And the consequences that came with that, I lost years of my life. I lost years of my life because I did what I wanted to do and not the plans that God had for me. Because God could look down the road and see where it was going to end, see the trouble I was going to have, see that this wasn't the right path for me. And and yet I said, really, God? And he, he let me go. And this is exactly what he did to Balaam. And yet there were consequences. That's called the permissive will of God. It means that he will sometimes allow us to do things that we insist on doing, that we have to do, even when what we want directly opposes his will. And like I said, there are consequences. Numbers 31 records how the Lord sent the army of Israel against the Midianites because the Midianites sought to destroy the Israelites through immorality and idolatry. Among the slain was the soothsayer Balaam, who turned against the Lord and his people. The consequences for Balaam was that he died, and he did not die righteously. I also want to take a minute and talk to us about how this story shows us about who God is. God told Balaam the truth clearly. Do not go with them. You shall not curse the people for they are blessed. God gave Balaam an unmistakable sign, right? The incident with the donkey and the angel left Balaam without excuses. God judged Balaam worthy of death. The reason was that Balaam still insisted on going to Balak and Balaam would have been killed by the angel of the Lord if it wasn't for the the donkey. 
Balaam's donkey was Balaam's savior in a sense, right? God opened the mouth of the donkey to reveal, to reveal to him that something was happening. Something was bigger than, than what was experiencing. There was something happening supernaturally. God was long suffering to Balaam. God was showing patience with Balaam and his continued attempts for Balaam to manipulate God. Long suffering. God had grace with Balaam and, and, and long suffering. And yet, God punished Balaam's hearers with death. God killed those who heeded Balaam's wicked counsel and in the end, Balaam himself died at the hands of the Israelites. Why talk about Balaam? Why talk about this guy and his talking donkey? Because as you look at it, maybe the first time that you read it, if you don't understand what a diviner is, if you don't understand the, the full concept of the story, you might think that Balaam is just a regular guy working for God, willing to do what he says. But really, is he really willing to do what God says? What is the shape of his heart? What was he compromising so that he could live it up here on earth? And that makes us ask the question, how are we living today? What are we compromising? What are we compromising and what we can get away with to just get by, even if that is manipulating or trying to manipulate God? I think about that, right? My children coming to me time and time and time again so that they hope that my answer will be different. Come on, mom, please, please, please. They would both stand there and dance in the living room. Please, 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 please. To see if I would change my answer. And I, I often think we don't lose that, right? We still do that to God. We still go to him back and back and back to ask him to change his mind. And then oftentimes we get to a point where we stop asking. We just go off and do what we want to do. And then... When we find ourselves apart and alone, stuck in our consequences and our situations that we're like, God, where are you? Why did this happen to me? Why am I going through this? Why am I having trouble today? It's because we didn't listen to God. It's because we ourselves walked away. And now we are struggling with the consequences of those choices. When we spend time looking at stories from the Bible, whether it's in the Old Testament or the New Testament, it's to learn. It's to renew our mind. It's so that we can become more like Jesus. It's to look like at people at Balaam and ask the question, are we doing these things in our life? Are we, comp are we compromising? Are we stepping away from God to live the kind of life that we want to have here on earth? not thinking about what will happen to us in the end. 
I also have to ask you today, has God been trying to get your attention? Is there a talking donkey in your life where God has been trying to say, hey, listen up, you, you better change your ways. You better listen to what I have to say. Is there something that's recently happened to you that maybe was a wake-up call and yet you are refusing to believe it? And you're, you've just decided that you're going to keep going the way that you're going. My friends, I'm here to tell you today that we need to be checking our hearts. We need to be remembering who God is. Are we really listening to Him? Are we aligning our lives with His Word? Let our eyes be opened to how we are living in this world today and whether or not we are really listening to God, whether or not we are really aligning our lives with His Word and walking that out each and every day, not allowing the world to make us compromise and do things differently to live for the here and now. Our focus needs to be on our eternal home in heaven. And we need to keep stepping out in faith, standing firm, following God's word, despite what the world says, despite what our friends do, despite what those people on TV do. We cannot live in compromise because there will be consequences. Maybe not today, but as we see from Balaam, he lived it up for a while, but there were consequences in the end for him. And he died an unrighteous death, separated from God. We do not want that for us. We want life and joy and provision and all the promises that God gives us today and in eternity. Amen. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you that you are a loving God. I thank you for your long suffering with me that so many times I walked away and did my own thing, yet you kept loving me. You kept trying to get my attention. You kept bringing people into my life to, to try and help me, Lord. And, and so many times I did not listen. So many times I looked away. So many times I ran away. I'm so grateful for the people that you did bring that I finally listened to that helped me get on a brand new path for Jesus to come in and do a new work in me, to redeem me and restore me and help me. And I'm so thankful for that. And I just pray for each person listening today, each person watching, no matter what they're going through, no matter what road they are traveling on, that they will pay attention, that they will listen for you. And if, if you are sending them a talking donkey to try to get their attention today, I pray that they will open their eyes that they will see that they have a choice to make, that they can choose life or death, Lord. And I just pray that they will choose life. I pray that they will choose Jesus. Thank you for this time. We seal it all up by the blood of Jesus and all God's people said, amen. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today and for being here. And until next time, until we can be together again, be blessed. Thanks so much for joining me today. Stay tuned for more Tuesday teachings, Sunday sermons, and encouraging messages along the way. And until next time, 
Be blessed.